like to acknowledge the traditional caretakers and inhabitants of this land across Australia. Also locally where I stand, the Beer Pie people, who continue their cultural practices, wisdom and law. Hi and welcome to the Pollination Mamas podcast, where we have collaborative conversations, cross-pollinate and connect, as we span our wings across topics such as feminine wisdom, womb wisdom, herbal plant medicine, natural fertility awareness, postpartum care, sacred sisterhood, sacred motherhood, women's circles and deep connectedness. If you're here, I believe you too are on a journey to reclaim and revitalise ancient feminine wisdom in a modern context, not only for ourselves now, but for future generations to come. Thank you so much for being here. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Pollination Mamas podcast. I say nearly every time I have a podcast and I'm super excited and I am really excited to have this guest here for a little bit of a different reason because it's someone I know locally, beautiful woman, Ali Meehan, from Heart and Earth Ceremonies on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. Ali is a First Nations woman who grew up with ceremony and symbolism as an important aspect of her life and learnt how ceremony creates powerful moments in time. Ali has a vision to bring more ceremony with meaning to the world so that sacred moments are honoured and people feel more connectedness and belonging. So in Ali's work with Heart and Earth Ceremonies, she does weddings, naming ceremonies, um, mother blessings, um, vow renewals, and I'm sure she's open to other ceremonies too. And it's just beautiful work that Ali's doing. So I'm super excited to have you here. Thanks so much for being here, Ali. Thanks for coming and letting me to allow me to share today. No worries. So I thought it would be really um, lovely if you feel to to open up with an acknowledgement to country if you feel like you would like to do that. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks. Barabar yirtir ali. Ye barabari barai, ye barabar barai. Ye naralen gunun bapu gunun bitti barabai barai. Nirun yangalen ginyanga baraiga. This is Birupai country. This is my country. Let us remember the old men and old women of Birupai country. Let us walk together with happiness on Birupai land. Marambu, thank you. Oh, Marambu, thank you. That was beautiful. I always get tingles whenever I hear it spoken in language. So you are speaking Gatang, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, your family line is from Birupai country? Yeah, my mother's lineage is uh, Birupai and um, on her grandfather's side and Dungari on her mother's um, grandmother's side. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Dungari, I remember that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's really special. That's the first time I've had um, an acknowledgement to country on the podcast spoken in language or at all, really. So that's super exciting. I do a little one on the intro on everyone. But I thought it would actually be really lovely to have, as you were saying that, it'd be lovely to have that recorded on the podcast even. Anyway, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Love to have that acknowledgement on there in language. So I've just been loving watching the work that you're doing. Um, you've always done really important, powerful, amazing work since I've known you. 
either like on the country and with ceremony. But um, heart and earth ceremonies is really taking off. Like you're busy and everyone wa- everyone wants Ali. So <laughs> as you learn more about Ali, you might want some more of Ali too. But um, before we jump into the work, like the ceremonial work that you've been doing, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how growing up with connection to culture and country has um, formed who you are and how that informs what you do in the world now. Yeah. Um, well, I was very fortunate to grow up on country, Biripai country, on my um, my great-grandfather's country, and to have a really strong relationship with country. And it's not just, you know, my relationship with country, but country's relationship with me. I feel like it was... Um, it's a very reciprocal sort of relationships. So we're, we're sort of having a conversation together and um, that has been really fun to, to be able to connect and to feel that sense of belonging and that sense of home all the time. And, uh, yeah, I, I really feel when I'm travelling, when I'm coming into the boundaries of Biripai country, that sense of, ah, oh, letting go and that plantedness, which has been really nice. But... Um, I've always been one of those those people who like a bit of quiet and I had that sort of, a sort of like a, a meditation thing happening when I was really young but not knowing what meditation was because you know it's you know it's a concept and you know what that means to people but um, in those in those spaces I really connected to myself and connected to country and I didn't know I was doing ceremony for a long time, but I found, you know, people in the community, they wanted, they started asking me to come and do blessings in Gatang language or, you know, can you offer this, can you offer that? And I didn't really know I was doing ceremony, but um, it wasn't until I had my children that ceremony really called upon me to come into that space. And, um, you know, they say when you have kids... And when you become a parent, that's when the growth happens. And I feel it has really accelerated in that. And I've anchored into that space of having to bring ceremony in for their benefit, um, for them to connect with themselves, to connect with their kin, to connect with the land and, you know, to grow up strong way and mm, to know yeah. who they are, where they're from and where they're going. And also to... Um, to acknowledge those stages in life, those initiation stages where things are changing, we're letting go of things, we're becoming new things, um, we're getting new knowledge and we're integrating that. But, yeah, to, to make space so we can integrate what we've learned but we can also sort of push forward and I think that really comes into um, me and my own sort of spirituality but also offering that up to people as well. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's so, so many important things you mentioned there, but it really does feel like so, I guess we're at a similar stage of motherhood, having young ones but not tiny babies and it really is such a transformational time and so many women really realise that. It's like they really realize what they're meant to be doing in the world at that time as well and like you said you're already doing it it's just that there was an awareness 
of what that was and why that was important and some sort of like depth that grew in that. And I love that that came from wanting to do that with and for your children and then expanding out into the world. And it was already organically happening. Like you said, people were asking you to come and do that. And so um, can you tell us a little bit about Heart and Earth Ceremonies and how that came to be and the services you're offering and why you feel it's so important to have really meaningful ceremony in our lives? Yeah, so my background is um, in education, so I've been a part of cultural education, um, been working in that space for about 12 years now um, in different institutions. And what I've noticed is um, I my teaching styles are a little bit different um, because, you know, there's, there's an opening circle and there's a closing circle at the end. So I, I, I was finding I was using tools of ceremony in all aspects of my work. Um, and community had really gotten behind me and were asking me to do different ceremony um, tools in spaces like name, you know, friends were like, oh, I want a naming day for my child. Can you do something? Well, yeah, yeah, sure. So I, I, heart and earth ceremonies, it, I don't feel it was something that one day I said, oh, you know, I'm going to be a ceremony woman and I'm going to be a celebrant. I really feel like I was supported in this way by community and that my path was chosen for that. Um, it wasn't sort of like a conscious effort that I was going to do what I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I really feel that once I was ushered in, into this path of taking ownership and um, I feel pretty solid in the, in the path that I'm walking. But a heart and earth ceremony is obviously, you know, the heart we connect through with love and all of ceremony is, is based on the foundation of love, whether it be a birth, whether it be a death, it's all love and it's all honouring. Um, so I, with Heart Nurse, I've doing, been doing ceremonies for a long time, but it's only this year that I've been registered as a celebrant so I can do legal marriages, which is pretty exciting. And people are super buzzed to get it like an earthy sort of celebrant that um, that listens to their wishes and I'm really about extracting information from people to, desi to design a ceremony that suits them. So it's not about me and what I believe. Um, I really want to, you know, showcase the authenticity and, and symbolism for, for that couple. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, how exciting that you're now um, a celebrant as well. And I always get a little bit excited when I see a female celebrant in the world <laughs> because... For a long time, it's been the domain in the like sort of, I guess, Western um, Christian dominant paradigm that we've been in recently. It's been a lot of men. I'm not sure about um, other lineages. I think I feel like maybe women and men would have shared that role. But um, yeah, so now today when I see women in that role, I get a bit excited. And also when I see like non, um, like religious so like op more open um, areas. So it's being coming outside of the domain of the church, which is super exciting. And the fact that you're also um, an Indigenous woman as well. So you've got the female, you've got Indigenous. It's just such a beautiful combination and definitely what the world needs more of. 
So um, I would love to hear a little bit about, like you mentioned, I'm kind of going back again to when you were growing up and um, some ceremony and connection that you probably had like access to more than most people like in everyday Australia. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like how that played out in your childhood? Because your mum, Rhonda, is a very proud Virapai Dungari woman too. And did you grow up with ceremony happening around you? I did, but I didn't consciously know it was ceremony. We did yeah. um, certain things in different seasons and had um, family gatherings and we would do cultural practices, but I didn't know um, that ceremony was happening. So my parents wouldn't, wouldn't say, you know, um, we're going to this ceremony or... So I, I did grow up with that ceremony in that aspect, but um, we don't really practice initiations here in the in rite of passages anymore um, that, that I know of. I'm sure some family groups do. But that was something that I'd really like to get back because um, as many people would be aware that, you know, when you're growing up and you're coming to a stage where your hormones start to take control, um, we really got to learn for our young people that, you know, we're the boss of ourselves and we can't be controlled by um, all this stuff that's happening on the outside but just to come into your power internally. And I think initiations and rite of passages are really important for that. And to hear like a, an offering of your kin, your kin circle, to say, you know, I'm here for you and I'm here to guide you in this, um, you know, I want to be able to teach you about this aspect of life or we don't really have that sort of acknowledgement or um, that offering of our kin to say, to know who to go to for what. And I think that's really important for, um, for us growing up. I sort of had to find that out the hard way and for me um, my own ceremonies growing up came out of a place of sadness because I found that some people in my life they weren't the people they weren't doing the role that I want them wanted them to be so um, people were my mentors were offering up or oh, why don't you forgive that person for not being that who you want them to be, your expectation. But I felt that that forgiveness, it still left a residue. So I had to go into this deep ceremony and it was, it was kind of like a funeral, a funeral and, um, of that mourning and that grief of that expectation. So I did little ceremonies growing up in, in that way, um, and that was, you know, as out of a place of sadness. But after that, I could let more love in. So it was quite a nice little practice. Mm, wow. How powerful. Yeah. So, yeah, so many things there. Let's work out where I want to go first. Rite of passage, I think more and more we're realising why it's so important because we're seeing the sadness and the dysfunction that's coming from not having that. I was listening to um, a different podcast yesterday or the day before and it was talking about that and it was talking about men arc. So when women, young women first get their periods and 
and also likening that to the other um, female body rites of passage that can happen. So menstruation, um, having a baby and postpartum and then menopause and how we do that in isolation, like you were saying. Sometimes we just end up fumbling through that on our own and it's quite a lonely process and, and we're not guided and held. When you were talking, just you said being held by our kin and supported by our kin and knowing who to go to for that support just paints like the other side of the picture that we once upon a time had and for some of us not that long ago but so many people just fumbling through and we're seeing youth really struggling and we're seeing mothers really struggling and then we're seeing women at menopause really struggling. And the same goes for um, people in a male body and I'm sure transgender, it's still similar rites of passage with hormonal changes. And this person I was talking to was saying, similar to you, that when we go through that rite of passage, whether we know it or not, if we're doing that alone, we're being told by our culture that we're alone in that, that we're not held, we're not supported. So it's like this subconscious message being told to us that we're not held and supported. So, of course, there's going to be feelings of insecurity and confusion that's going to come out in all sorts of dysfunctional ways. I know for me, <laughs> my teenagehood, like even though mum talked in a healthy way about my periods and I knew they were there, I knew what was happening and I knew that it meant she even talked about coming into womanhood. There was no ceremony and then I sort of just fumbled on my own and I ended up being a really wild teenager, not just because of that, but partly I feel if we had have had different social structures there. Mm-hmm. And then also do you think for you that there was also like this knowing that there you had some aspects of your culture really strong but there was this other side there that you were grieving as well in that grief? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It can be really hard being a, an Aboriginal woman, woman in today's society where you're trying to bring back cultural practices but there's so much. Um, there's, there's a lot of grief because a lot of these practices have been lost and they haven't been ongoing. And I'm... Aboriginal Australia is, you know, we've been practising ceremony on country for over 60,000 years. So this should be something to celebrate and a strength. And um, there's been a lot of support around bringing back ceremonies on country. But um, there's also, you know, there's sensitivities around integrity and and trying to keep it, um, you know, strong and in line with, with cultural traditional cultural practices and, um, you know, having the support of the community as well. So um, I think it's got to be a community thing to bring the rite of passage back um, because the kin, the families and, and the community have to be a part of that holding of that person because, it, you know, it has, it's, it's the village principle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely has to be like that. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. I feel like more of these conversations need to be had and more people need to hear that, that it's truth, that there's, well, there's lots of things going on. It's that, um, like I said, you 
you really strong in culture, lots of ceremony, but there's also the grieving that you spoke about of like what's lost or what's not there or what you're yearning for to bring in more of that you know is there but it's just been lost for like a break in time. And these can be really like as a white woman um, who really wants to support like like and acknowledge that I'm on Indigenous country and that that has the fact that I'm here and other people are here has created this huge rupture in such a strong, amazing Indigenous culture and to see and hear about that sadness. It can be a really awkward, hard conversation. And I feel like more people want to have it, like on every single side, but it feels a bit awkward so people avoid it. So I'm so glad we're having it and, I'm, and that you're talking about all aspects of it that by talking about like what is lost and what's sad doesn't make your culture any less strong, like it makes it stronger. And the fact that it's really interesting for me to hear about how what you've had growing up but then how you're bringing in areas that you feel need reviving, like the rites of passage. And what a wonderful thing to bring in for young women as well. So is that something you would like to do as well, is the rites of passage for young women? I would love to do, yes, absolutely. But I don't feel that the time is right just right. yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's well, my mentors have to guide the way in that. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm a bit too young. <laughs> yes, okay, yep. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or they ask me to step up to the plate, but I'm just, I'm hovering and doing what I'm doing at the moment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're doing mother's blessings as well. Yeah. So, so um, the blessing ways, you know, you probably, have you spoken about them before on, on a recent podcast? Um, I don't think so. Not that I remember. So I'd love for you to share, yeah, a bit more. I mean, we speak about it as far as like the postpartum and motherhood being this huge rite of passage, but I don't think we've talked much about the ceremony side of it. Yeah. So the, um, the blessing ways is just opportunity for mama to be to just melt, melt into a time because life's about to change. <laughs> um, <laughs> And to be nourished and held in that space and, and feel supported. And, and it's almost to create a space of timelessness. Um, and I always ask the person who the ceremony is for, the people who the ceremony is for, what do you want from this? After the ceremony, what do you want to walk away with? You know, what is the highest priority? And usually the mum is to be is just to to have a assisted day and to feel relaxed and um, and to hold space for Bub and her. So um, it, it can look a little bit different, but it's usually, you know, women in circle um, holding that mama and we can, you know, bring in all different kinds of tools to connect and to nourish mama. And it's, um, you know, often, there's some sharing and, and lots of blessing and honouring of that woman. Mm. Yeah. I think that I actually met you and your mum at Sati's 
blessing way, mother's blessing that your yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That your mum was holding, I think, and and possibly you, both of you. Um, yeah, it's so important. And from that, like physiological side of understanding what mum's going through, like that huge. So if this if it happens like just before baby, not after baby, because um, people do ceremonies on either side, um, then just to be held and to feel so supported is going to put mum into a really safe space. It's going to help her feel loved, which is going to bring on all those wonderful oxytocin juju hormones that are needed for good labour. And to know that that community is there throughout the process as well. So afterwards, so the community is there. This is who you've got. This is your circle of sisterhood. And we can strengthen this network to hold you through this process that you're about to go through that mum may or may not know what, what is going to happen because it's different every time, whether it's your first child or not, but especially for the first child, um, it can feel really like once you're on the other side and you're really in the throes of early motherhood to know that you've got those other sisters around you and women around that have been through this and that you can go to is so valuable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so many women are suffering through in isolation. So isolation, I feel, is just a massive cause of many, um, like a huge aspect too, not the only aspect to maternal mental health issues. And to have that acknowledged. So a lot of women and new mums talk about how all of a sudden they felt invisible. They might have been out there in the world doing their thing, whatever that is, feeling really seen and feeling like they had given themselves value and other people giving them value. Then all of a sudden they're sort of in this sort of unseen role, often at home, even if you're not staying home every day, the home caregiving role, which can be very unseen and undervalued in our culture. But by bringing that ceremony and you're really giving that value that this is a really important time, you're really important. This is about you and you crossing that threshold into motherhood. It can feel, yeah, it can feel super isolating. Um, So that's so exciting. So anyone out there on the mid-north coast that may know a pregnant mama or mum who's had baby because yeah lots of cultures did it before and after as i've researched um lots of cultures seem to do something beforehand and then sort of at that the end of the fourth trimester which for some cultures is around 30 days or 40 days six weeks around that time then there would be another ceremony done and even in the the catholic christian paradigm which has dominated it up until recently there was a ceremony called christening the mother which we've lost we do still do the christening it's all about the baby um but there was christening the mother which was done at 40 days and that was all for the mother and i feel like for me i often i'll look to that lineage because I'm going back to my sort of Celtic pagan roots and a lot of the Christian ceremonies were taken from the Celtic pagans. So if I can look to that for a sign, I can probably see that that would have originally been a Celtic ceremony as well. So have you been doing your mother, your blessing ways mostly before when mum's pregnant? Yeah. And often it's um, followed up with a baby naming ceremony. Oh, lovely. Um, which 
involves planting placenta and a tree and there's some um there's some words that you say so country knows that baby's life map um and yeah baby can be anchored into this world for this this dreaming in this time in this space um for their earth journey and um it's usually the grandmother is also involved because grandmother is like big mama <laughs> yeah and the aunties, um, mum's sisters and mum's friends. Yeah. Oh, wow, beautiful. And so part of that is planting the placenta. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to, because my partner works closely with the local um, Indigenous community, that an elder did, we asked about, yeah, some ceremony and was lucky enough to have that. We planted my youngest placenta and did a beautiful ceremony um, and it felt so good to offer that back to the land. I hadn't thought about it that way. It's sort of your, like the placenta is such a nutrient rich organ. And in a way it felt like I was offering that back to the land. Oh, here comes my little one. I'm at home. This is um, real life podcasting here. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I can't see you. You're <laughs> looking. And do you feel that sort of aspect too? Because planting the placenta is a huge aspect too. Um, well, in this area of the country anyway, um, the ceremony after a baby, am I right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, the kookaburras <laughs> in the background. <laughs> do you want to go find Daddy? Hold on. I'll cut. Um, okay, so. Where were we? Oh, yeah. There was something else you said about how you were feeling sadness and you were grieving the loss of something even though you had so many other aspects that were strong in your culture there and you were offered the advice to forgive but it felt like it was a little bit premature like it felt Hmm. like it was only part of the story and that really struck a chord for me I feel like that can be applied to so many aspects of healing for people across in so many areas that need healing in our world and i feel like yeah often either it's ignored or people want to go straight to forgiveness and there's sort of a bypassing that is it's it's done with no ill intent it's done with good intentions because people want to get to that place of healed rather than the long journey of healing which takes time and like i said it's hard and it's awkward it's sort of like the conversations that need to be had around so many things can feel uncomfortable, but we need to learn to be able to sit with those feelings of being uncomfortable as well. It's sort of the flip side of all the beautiful ceremony and sitting in love and really celebrating that. Although ceremony can be done, like you said, in times of sadness, but those really beautiful, you know, the weddings and the mother's blessings are just so often so full of love and, but the other side of that is we need to acknowledge the healing. Yeah. Um, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about what you've learnt about that going through and just organically finding your own way, doing your own, what you didn't know was ceremony, but doing your own ceremony. Because I feel like when I talk about cultural healing, when I'm because I talk a lot about postpartum and the rites of passage and what's needed to get to that place is some cultural healing as well. We can't just go straight to the cultural change without yeah. the uncomfortable healing journey. Yeah. 
and I think a part of that is creating safe spaces so people are free to be themselves in, in their authenticity. So, you know, free to share emotion and feeling. And a lot of, um, a lot of Australia is set up to silence people. Our systems are set up to silence people. And I think the more safety there is, um, the more change that will happen. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of safety supports and nets being set up. Um, and then the, the change will happen hand in hand. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you need that safe container for people to have the feelings first. If they get yes. silenced, then yeah, you just, and that's, it's not just silencing that kind of puts a, it's not a pause button. <laughs> I think people think sometimes like when it's silenced, just being pushed, but it's actually creating more layers that will need to be healed as well. So it's not only yeah. like what happened that was being silenced, it's then the silencing is this ongoing form of like subtle or non subtle abuse in a way um, that's going on. And so how would you see that playing out more for, so from um, Indigenous woman aspect and coming to a place of healing here in Australia, how would you see that happening more as far as the safe spaces and the conversations? What would you like to see happening more? <laughs> That's a million dollar question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he doesn't have an answer. <laughs> I had a magic wand. Um, yeah. I guess for people out there listening who want to be a part of the healing but don't really know how. Hmm. Yeah. I think if we look ways support oppressed people um, but the way they want to be supported not the way that we think we should support because that's sort of a savior complex so we don't want to go be going rushing in and um, and thinking, oh you know I know what's best for you we will really want to love to listen to the voices but I don't mean just listening I mean truly listening what are people saying and what are they needing because we don't voice things just to create hot air. We voice things because often we have unmet needs. Um, and what, you know, what's the seed of those and how can we nourish and support that? Mm. Yeah, I think you've summed it up there, like that deep listening. And we're not taught how to do that. Like, well, we don't experience that. We don't have that modelled to us because it's something that has largely been lost. I guess, in our culture and takes lots of time and presence and silence. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you've summed it up there, lots of deep listening. Sometimes the time's not right, you know. Mm. And that, that's okay too. Yeah. We'll move at a different pace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I like... I like that it's everything's done at a different pace because ceremony is like that as well. Um, sometimes ceremony, we look at um, cues from nature. So when I weaned my firstborn <laughs> um, from the boob, I said, 
to him, you know, after the big moon, after the full moon, it's going to stop. And we had a little ceremony. And it was magic because I heard all these horror stories about um, mothers trying to wean and how that could be really um, tricky emotionally. And I really didn't want to go through that. So I'm thinking, what can I do? What can I do? So we had a little ceremony and um, we had candles that symbolised the different months that he, all the months that he fed for, and he blew those out one by one. And after, after that, if you asked for Milky, um, we, we said, don't you remember the candles in the ceremony? And he remembers that time and it was... the trolley going past outside and it was quite a joyous time that ceremony so um he actually went back and looked at it as a joyous transition and not something that was separating separated us it actually brought us together yeah and i think that's that's what we should be doing looking for opportunities to connect because if there's any separatedness then that's not what um that's not what I want to do with heart and nerve ceremonies. I want to bring people together. Yeah, yeah. I love that about the weaning. <laughs> I've been thinking about it a lot. So I think, yeah, a lot of people probably listening out there with little ones will be able to relate to that story. And what a beauty, that's so tangible for them. And yeah. like my kids and I've noticed other kids, I love that you use the moon because they're really entranced by the moon. Like it's something that's so magical to them, this big, beautiful, white, shining ball in the sky. Like who's not entranced by it? I still am. <laughs> um, you, can go, you can go outside and, and you know, watch it, um, watch it grow. Yeah. And if the moon's nearly round. When it's round, then this stops or um, this happens. And if you don't, if you're not connected to the moon, you can look at um, a certain flower. So revisiting a plant, you know, when this is in flower, then this happens. Mm. Um, so looking at cues of nature, and I like that because it connects them to nature as well and looking at how um, country changes. Mm. And how we change too, yeah. yeah, being guided by nature. That's, yeah, it's beautiful. And so often we think about how we can change nature or we see humans changing nature rather than looking to what is already there and how that will inform our changing and can guide us to change in a very graceful and natural organic way. And really like that feels like it sums up heart and earth ceremonies. Like you're being guided by nature and your connection with land that you've done lots of work with and like you said it's a conversation and also then by your mentors and elders mm. and for kids kids just get it when you go out and you talk about that like you see okay that flower is going to bloom they get that that just comes and goes they accept it they accept that change and that transience more naturally sometimes than adults because we've got we've acquired all these <laughs> hang-ups and, and control issues or whatever along yeah. the way. Yeah. But I love that using that way to help them um, come into that transition around weaning. And for us too, like I guess as adults, we could use that. We could set an intention and go, okay, when the moon gets full, 
oh, when this season changes, I'm going to step into this and I'm going to do all the preparation work and psyching myself up and talking about it. But when that happens, and that's the transition phase. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All of these things, it just turns in the circle, you know, the circle of life, where it's good things or um, things that maybe we see it's not so good, but um, honouring those turns in the circle. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, and also, like, it gets, if you start so young with the kids and the moon, it gets them knowledgeable and understanding of natural cycles that we're all guided by whether we're aware of it or not like the moon is influencing our months our tides we have 13 moons a year most people are in utero for 10 moons this is how we've counted time for eons it's in our dna it's in our blood it's just it's in us and so if they start to have that awareness early then they can see that they're part of something bigger. Yeah. <laughs> bigger yeah. cycles. And we're all a part of this ecology, which again creates, I feel, creates a sense of safety and security when you feel like you are a part of nature. Nature is here. You're part of a web. You're looking after it, but it's looking after you more. And then applying that to our human ecology and our human communities too that oh okay i'm just one human here it's not all about me even though it takes a little while for kids to learn but for adults to be able to step into that easier too to understand that okay how do i feed into my community and how does it Mm -hmm. feed into me and feeling comfortable with that reciprocal nature and being part of something larger and i think we don't give enough credit to how feeling insecure influences our mental health. When I lived in Thailand, there was an elder over there and he would talk about how, um, oh, where was I going with that? He, I've totally lost my train of thought. (laughs) Sorry, I'll have to cut that bit out. I'm having, I'm really distracted by my kids being completely lost my train of thought there what would he say oh i can't remember that's all right (laughs) that's how i am (laughs) i'm so hazy (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's all right it'll come to me at some point oh yes okay um yeah so this thai elder would talk when i lived in thailand this thai elder would say things and sometimes the time's not right, you know. Mm. And that, that's okay too. Yeah. We'll move at a different pace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I like, I like that it's, everything's done at a different pace because ceremony is like that as well. Um, sometimes ceremony, we look at... Um, from nature so when I weaned my firstborn um, from the boob I said to him you know after the big moon after the full moon it's gonna stop and we had a little ceremony and it was magic because I heard all these horror stories about um, mothers trying to wean and 
how that could be really um, tricky emotionally. And I really didn't want to go through that. So I was thinking, what can I do? What can I do? So we had a little ceremony and um, we had candles that symbolised the different months that he, all the months that he fed for, and he blew those out one by one. And wow. after, after that, if he asked for milky, um, we, we said, don't you remember the candles in the ceremony? And he remembers that time and it was, the trolley going past outside and it was quite a joyous time that ceremony so um he actually went back and looked at it as a joyous transition and not something that was separating separated us it actually brought us together yeah and i think that's, that's what we should be doing looking for opportunities to connect because if there's any separatedness that that's not what um that's not what I want to do with heart and nerve ceremonies. I want to bring people together. Yeah. Yeah. I love that about the weaning. <laughs> I've been thinking about it a lot. So I think, yeah, a lot of people probably listening out there with little ones will be able to relate to that story. And what a beauty, that's so tangible for them. And yeah. like my kids and I've noticed other kids, I love that you use the moon because they're really entranced by the moon. Like it's something that's so magical to them, this big, beautiful, white, shining ball in the sky. Like who's not in transpired? I still am. <laughs> yeah. um, you, can go, you can go outside and, and you know, watch it, um, watch it grow. Yeah. And the moon's nearly round. When it's round, then this stops or um, this happens. And if you don't, if you're not connected to the moon, you can look at um, a certain flower. So visiting a plant you know when this is in flower then this happens mm. um they're looking at cues of nature and i like that because it connects them to nature as well and looking at how um country changes mm. and how yeah. we change too yeah. yeah being guided by nature that's yeah it's beautiful and so often we think about how we can change nature or we see humans changing nature rather than looking to what is already there and how that will inform our changing and can guide us to change in a very graceful and natural organic way. And really like that feels like it sums up heart and earth ceremonies, like you're being guided by nature and your connection with land that you've done lots of work with and like you said it's a conversation and also then by your mentors and elders mm. and for kids kids just get it when you go out and you talk about that like you see okay that flower is going to bloom they get that that just comes and goes they accept it they accept that change and that transience more naturally sometimes than adults because we've got we've acquired all these <laughs> hang-ups and, and control issues or whatever along yeah. the way. Yeah. But I love that using that way to help them um, come into that transition around weaning. And for us too, like I guess as adults, we could use that. We could set an intention and go, okay, when the moon gets full or when this season changes, I'm going to step into this and I'm going to do all the preparation work and psyching myself up and talking about it, but when that happens, and that's the transition phase. Yeah, there. absolutely. Yeah. All of these things are 
just turns in the circle, you know, the circle of life, where it's good things or um, things that maybe we see it's not so good, but um, honouring those turns in the circle. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, and also, like, it gets, if you start so young with the kids and the moon, it gets them knowledgeable and understanding of natural cycles that we're all guided by whether we're aware of it or not like the moon is influencing our months our tides we have 13 moons a year most people are in utero for 10 moons this is how we've counted time for eons it's in our dna it's in our blood it's just it's in us and so if they start to have that awareness early then they can see that they're part of something bigger yeah cycles and we're all a part of this ecology which again creates i feel creates a sense of safety and security when you feel like you are a part of nature nature is here you're part of a web you're looking after it but it's looking after you more and then applying that to our human ecology and our human communities too that oh okay i'm just one human here it's not all about me even though it takes a little while for kids to learn but for adults to be able to step into that easier too to understand that okay how do i feed into my community and how does it feed into me and feeling comfortable with that reciprocal nature and being part of something larger and i think we don't give enough credit to how feeling insecure influences our mental health and our happiness. When I lived in Thailand, there was an elder over there and he would talk about how, about how important it was for us to feel secure and that as he had seen the world in Thailand change from being very much like living off the land, subsistence-based into like going to the cities and, and earning money for, and money survival became about money. But he moved back to the land because he could see people still operating in a lot of fear and, and never really feeling secure. And he just said, basically, if people know, even if they stay in their office job, if they know how to... This is the most distracting podcast I've ever done. <laughs> if they know how to grow their own food and build their own house and to create community, that's all we need. So just having those skills alone will create a more well-rounded, confident, secure person, therefore more secure communities, and people will just feel happier. And that, you know, of course, is going to flow out into so many areas of our world. And I really feel like it's the same whether we're living on an eco-village or not. But if people just have the skills to feel... You, do you want some skills? To feel connected to nature. (laughs) That's Ali. (laughs) Hello, little love. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like that's the same with ceremony and... And that understanding of how the land looks after us and we feed back into that creates that same level of security in ourselves yeah. and then that yeah. flow on. <laughs> awesome. Well, is there anything else that you would like to cover about? Oh, where can people find you? And what? So give us another rundown of what services you're offering and where people can find you. 
Yeah. So you can find me online. I've got socials. I've got Facebook and Instagram. I've got a website, heartnurseceremonies.com. I'm located in Port Macquarie, but my love footprint extends from Sydney to the Gold Coast. And um, I'm offering baby namings, uh, blessing ways, uh, vow renewals, any kind of ceremony. If it's singing to you, just hit me up. And, um, yeah, please find me. Fantastic. I'll pop all those links up there um, on the show notes as well. That's awesome to know that you travel from Sydney to Gold Coast. That's a huge, huge love footprint. <laughs> Traveling I, I, only do, I only do cultural ceremonies on country. Though. Yes. Okay. Yeah. A little bit of a disclaimer. And can you give us an idea of that border of, um, of, um, of Birupai country? Yeah. So... Um, Burupai country extends from um, down just past Tari to up to just north of Port Macquarie. Yeah. Yeah. That mid north yeah, that lower mid north coast region. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ali. I really loved having you on yeah. here and loved having some um, Burupai language. That was like one of my highlights so far of podcasting on you know, being able to share that with people. Um, yeah, there's something really powerful about when we listen to that. All right. Bye. Say bye. <laughs> I've got a little podcast helper. Blow a kiss. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> the you. next generation of potters. That's right. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in and listening today. I really hope there was something there for you. Please feel free to head on over to Instagram and Facebook pages, Pollination Mamas, and leave your thoughts, ideas, inspirations, feedback. I'd also really love for this to partly be a collaborative experience for all of you out there listening and to hear what topics, ideas for guest speakers that you might have. And also, if you feel to, I would really appreciate if you head on over to iTunes, Anchor FM and the other platforms and left a review for the Pollination Mamas podcast. This helps for the podcast to be seen more and to get the word out there, these topics that we're all discussing to a larger audience. I found podcasts so helpful to feel a bit more connected to ideas that I didn't realize were um, so common amongst us all so yeah also feel free to share with anyone out there that you feel may gain something from this i also have a sign up on my website pollinationmamas.com where i send out approximately a monthly mail out with latest podcasts sales on my small batch largely homegrown herbal products latest workshops and other thoughts and ideas that i might pop up on the blog occasionally So thanks again for tuning in and hope to have you listening again soon.